Today's reading is Mark 7, 24-37. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought him to a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven, and he said to him, Ephatata, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them not to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And this reading be the inspiration for today's lecture. So here we have, this is, this is one of those difficult texts. In fact, it's probably one, maybe you, I don't know how many of you may not have ever heard this text because it's not, it's one of those ones we kind of have trouble making sense of sometimes. Uh, and this is probably why it was one of the texts they gave me and they gave all of us in, in seminary. We all had to preach on this text because it's a difficult text. And why is it a difficult text? Well, because Jesus calls this woman a dog. Did you get that? Did you hear Jesus call this woman a dog? Our Jesus referred to this woman as a dog. Uh, he had been traveling around Galilee and Judea, and he was preaching to the Jews, to his kinfolk, to the chosen people of God, to those whom he had been called to. Uh, and uh, he had been healing them, opening their ears, opening their eyes, raising people from the dead, returning people to wholeness, preaching the good news to the people of God, to the Hebrew people. Well, uh, there, some things happened, and he decided he would go on a retreat <laughs> and the best place to go if you're Jesus in Jewish territory is to go over into Gentile territory which is what he did he crossed the River Jordan and went out there and he was up in the northwest area in Tyre and uh, 
here is this, he's staying with some friends, and here is this woman from Syrophoenicia. It's uh, basically a borderland near Syria. uh, It was under conflict then, it's under conflict now, right? Uh, She comes down, she's heard all this stuff about Jesus, and she says, come heal my daughter. And he says, wait a minute, uh, that wouldn't be right for me to give what belongs to the people of God to a dog. And it was not uncommon. This was a common euphemism, if you will. This was a common derogatory way to speak of Gentiles among Jewish people at the time. Uh, It was insulting. It was meant to be insulting. Uh, It wouldn't be right, Jesus says. For me to give what belongs to God's children, God's children, to dogs. I'll tell you what, but you know what? This mother was undeterred by that. <laughs> hey, you know what? Say what you like. My daughter is sick. And even dogs get the crumbs from the plates of the children. Well, he thought that was a pretty good argument. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I guess you're right for saying that. It says in Mark, if you go to Matthew, uh, Jesus is a little more magnanimous. He commends her for her faith in Matthew. Your faith has made your daughter well. Go back. You get what you want. And uh, go about your business. It's an amazing, an amazing text. How, and and you've got to wonder, what do we, how do we make sense of this, that our precious Jesus, who is so kind and compassionate, Calls this woman a dog. Well, the first thing I would say is that that uh, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant piece of Greek rhetoric and persuasive rhetoric being utilized here in Mark to make the exact opposite argument. To say, wait a minute, God's love is inclusive. We are an inclusive people. We are at reaching out to. Uh, the Gentile community. Mark, which was written much later than when Jesus was walking, Mark is trying to help his people, his community, make sense of the fact that we have Jews and Gentiles worshiping together all of a sudden. And when Jesus was walking around, it probably couldn't, you know, the people really had a hard time grasping that whole concept. However, by the time Mark is writing, it really wasn't wasn't that big a leap to go from hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes to saying, oh, man, let's include the Gentiles too. Why not? <laughs> you know, in fact, that seemed like small potatoes uh, after that. And so it was a natural thing for the Christian movement to start including Gentiles. But it caused some tension. And there may have been some who weren't quite on board with that idea. Well, here, Mark is trying to make this plain through the telling of this story, this encounter that Jesus has with this Syrophoenician woman. The other thing, but, but I'll tell you why this is one of my favorite texts. This is one of my favorite texts because it's, a, it's amazing to me who does the transforming here. It's not unlike every other encounter people have with Jesus. Unlike every moment when Jesus touches the people around him, unlike everybody else, 
who is transformed in the presence of Jesus. This is the only story I can think of, except maybe the, the transfiguration, where it is Jesus who is being transformed, where it is Jesus who is changing, where it is Jesus who is learning and growing. Right? What a gift this story is, is that our Savior, our, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, here we have a story where He is being called to be transformed, to evolve, to change. Called out by this, this loving, desperate mom who wants her child to be healed. And how incredibly, Jesus says, you know what? I'm wrong. You're right. And I'm going to change everything I'm doing because you have convinced me that I'm going in the wrong direction. Because of this woman's persuasive argument, Jesus transformed his ministry. In the very next text, he's coming down from the northwest. He's heading down toward Galilee and he's in the Decapolis again, Gentile territory, and he opens up the eyes and he opens up the ears of the first Gentile he sees. His whole ministry has just opened up and become inclusive of everyone all of a sudden. What an amazing... And the symbolism is right there. No longer am I just opening the eyes and the ears of God's chosen people. I'm opening up the eyes and the ears of everyone. Praise be to God. Amen? I, I, like, this, I like this text because quite frankly it speaks to who we are today. It is our, it is our gut instinct. It is our, there's something within us that longs to be the chosen people, that longs to be the ones who say, wait a minute, this is, we've, we've, we've put together the right box. we got the right box right here. And, uh, you know, you're in, you can be in this box if you do all the right stuff, but you know what? There's a lot of you who are outside of this box. And, and we don't really want to deal with you. What an incredible gift we have from Christ today where Jesus says, look, even I didn't know everything to the point of being able to exclude people. Even I have evolved. Even I am learning. Even I have opened my arms wider. How dare you try to exclude people? But the Savior of our universe can, can, can expand his thinking. How much more ought the church be able to evolve and expand our thinking. And, you know, I, I think we do. I think, thank God when we do this. But I think part of the problem that we have had as followers of Christ and the reason, uh, the reason so many around us are leaving institutionalized religion has to do with our exclusive claim and the boxes that we want to insist people fit into and our insistence that we not evolve our insistence that we know everything I haven't known everything since I was like 18 years old 
right? Remember when you knew everything? I loved it. It was great. <laughs> it was so great to know everything. But uh, now that I'm older, I realize there's a lot I don't know. And how, how much I have to learn. And this 2,000-year-old institution, we're still learning. And I guess I, what I'm hearing from this text today is that we have an opportunity. We are called by this text today to let go of some of the boxes we still pack ourselves in. Now, this is a, this is a liberal progressive congregation, and I know we, we think we're as open-minded as they come. But, you know, there, we still have some evolving to do and some, some things we can learn, and we still are working on it. And, you know, one of the things I think we ought to be struggling with is what does it mean to live in a plural society? What does it mean to live in a place where not everyone finds God through our sacred texts and through our way of thinking and through our approach to all that? And how can we tell our story? Because I, I swear to goodness, we have an incredible story to tell. The greatest story ever told, some might say. <laughs> Amen? We have an incredible story to tell about how Christ has revealed to us God's kingdom. In other words, the way the world could be if God were in charge. And we have a story to tell, and we're obligated to tell it. And we're joyfully telling it. And yet, what does it mean to live in a place where we respect that other people have a story to tell as well? Can we still declare Jesus Christ and let go of making our exclusive claims on being the other true church? <laughs> right? <laughs> being absolutely right and absolutely the only truth out there. How can we tell our story and be faithful that story and let go of our exclusive way of being in the world because the world's too small these days it used to be a lot easier to do that we could just huddle up in our little Christian circles and, but the world's too small and there's too many different folks out there and uh, there's too many people rejecting us because uh, because of our exclusive claims and so I think this this text today gives us permission to evolve, to rethink, to wrestle with some of those difficult ideas, and to ultimately be transformed by the persuasiveness of those who would be with us if we would make room for them. Amen? Let us pray. Loving God, forgive us. Forgive us for the things that we do that exclude people from your church, exclude people from our community, exclude people from your table based on boxes that we build for ourselves. May we seek to be an inclusive people. May we evolve into that which you called us to be your people, declaring our story to the world around us. And God, we thank you for all the ways that you have 
included us. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ.